Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. So uh, this last week I was walking through kind of a, a difficult situation with one of my friends and it was kind of... Um, it's kind of empowering to watch him as he's leaning into his faith, and it looks like there's going to be a pretty uh, happy ending at the end of this, but through the whole thing, we can just continue to repeat that God's got this, you know, and sometimes that's all you can say is God's got this, and so here's what I'd like you to do. Um, as you grab a seat, before you do, just turn to somebody, somebody you don't know, and maybe they just need to hear for a moment, God's got this, all right? Go. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning. You guys doing all right? Yeah? We've had a lot going on this weekend. So uh, this weekend is kind of, um, we kind of pick a weekend and we say, all right, uh, this is going to be like when our fall season begins at Seacoast. And so this is our fall season beginning. Fall kickoff is what we call it. Yeah, so we're very excited that you're here. Um, it's no longer summer. Sorry, we're officially in fall, I guess. But here with that comes a couple things. Um, one is we had Rooted kickoff this morning for the Sunday crew. Yep, and then Thursday for the rest... So fun. It's great. We have so many people who have never been through Rooted before, and so we're just very excited about that. Um, the other thing is we have tons of stuff going on after service. So there's like bounce houses for the kids, and I think there's like tri-tip sandwiches, which I may have had two or three last night. Whatever. Um, I got to get my protein intake. <clears throat> that, do you believe it? No. Uh, anyway, and so all that stuff is going on. And uh, oh, and then we also have, we have like all this SCG merchandise out there. We don't make any money on it. It's just like for you to be able to like rep Seacoast out in the community. And I was told that we are going to put all of our summer stuff on sale. All right. So I guess uh, uh, t- uh, the guns out, suns out gear is all for sale. Okay. That's tank tops for the rest of you. Okay. It's going to be a tough morning. I can already tell. So grab it. It's not quite free, but, you know, it's cheap. So go ahead and get some of that stuff. So there's these videos on YouTube, and um, I was watching a couple this week, and they're called, uh, they're called What Would You Do? And so they're different awkward scenarios and situations that they put people who are unknowingly in them, and then they have hidden cameras, and they kind of figure out, like, or they, they try to figure out what people would do in those situations. So, like, for example, um, it could be something like there's a, a nice restaurant, and then these, this young couple brings in a baby, and the baby is just screaming the entire time. And so they're just getting shots of, what, okay, what are people going to do? Like, is anybody going to hurt this baby? You know, like, what's, what's going on in this thing? But then there's more serious ones, like somebody's, like, getting, like, verbally abused out in public. And so is anybody going to step in? And, or, or someone is obviously stealing something from the store. Like, is anybody going to step in and, and do anything? And, and so it's kind of interesting. And we always put ourselves in the story. And we go, okay, if I was there, what would I do? For sure I'd be the hero, you know, because that's who I am. I'm the hero. And, uh, and, and so I thought of this scenario, and I want you to just think in your mind, what would you do? And this isn't a made-up scenario. This is, this is real. This took place, I read it in the news this week here in Southern California. So your kid goes to school, and um, they, you, you pick them up, and you ask them, hey, what did you learn today at school? And they said, well, we're learning about different cultures, and, and one of which is the Aztec culture. You go, oh, okay, great, tell me more about that. And they're telling you, and... And then they tell you, and we learned about all of their gods. Okay, that's interesting. Tell me about that. Yeah. In fact, we learned how to do their chants and prayers, and we had a session where we prayed to the Aztec gods. You know, uh, excuse me? What? 
and we, spo- we smoked peyote. No, we didn't do that. Um, <laughs> kidding, just seeing if you're awake. And so you hear this, and whether you're a Christian or not, you might go, whoa, 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 hold on. What are we doing here at school? There's something that makes me either really uncomfortable, maybe even angry. And so what would your response be in that moment? So your initial response might be, okay, I'm getting somebody fired, all right? I am about to go full Karen on this thing, and I'm going to start a protest, and I'm going to go yell at somebody, and I'm going to get after it. Or maybe your thought is, all right, I'm pulling my kids out of this school. I was already kind of suspect about what was happening there, and so they're out of here. Or maybe you just, you know, say, whatever, it's over, I'll just go along to get along, I don't want to cause any drama. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'm going I'm to go next week and I'm going to do a Christian prayer, so we'll counter this thing out, you know, like, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever your response is, um, it shows a couple things. One is it shows that culture and the world around us, it seems to be changing quite a bit these days. Like the things that even when I was a child that everybody assumed was correct and everybody understood seems to be disputed now. Like we don't have a whole lot of assumptions that we agree on. And some of them are some pretty major things. And so things seem to be changing quite a bit in the culture and it's changing in a direction that maybe I don't like. We were watching, or we were talking about a documentary that we watched recently at staff. Staff did not watch it. I watched it. I brought it up and they had seen it. It was an Amish documentary fascinating people. And it was just showing what their daily life looked like. And I actually, in high school, got to go and visit one of these Amish uh, farms. Very interesting. Just the way that they live is, you know, it's just, it's so different than the way that you and I probably live. And as we were talking about it, I realized something, is the way that I look at those Amish people is the way that a lot of people that I interact with are beginning to look at me. Like, they're looking at me, and they just think, the way that I live is so different than everybody else. Like, when they start to hear about, maybe on the surface it kind of looks the same, but when they start to hear about, like, how I view the world and and some of my lifestyle choices, they start to just go, now, people still do that? Like, uh, when Amy and I first got married, we we didn't live together, we didn't sleep together, anything like that, and all of the people that we knew just went, so wait, what? Like, how do you you know if it's going to work? You know, like, you're not living together before? And I'm like, yeah, it'll be okay. Or, or they find out, and then you're going to be shocked by this one. I've never had alcohol before. I know. Some of you guys are like, I haven't had alcohol today. And, you know, I, okay. <laughs> but that's crazy for some people. They just go, you never had alcohol? Some of you guys laughed a little too hard at that, by the way. <laughs> that one really resonated, I could tell. CR, Friday nights. Um, <laughs> you. Uh, or, or, you know, things like the, you know, how much we just give away of our money every month. We just give to charity, to the church. We just give it away. And people just go, why would you live like that? Is our life looks so different than many of the people around us. And so it's just become a common conversation that we now have with our kids. And I've shared this with you before is, is we have taught our kids that we live differently. It's just a phrase that's repeated. And so a couple months ago, I shared that we were in the car and my uh, son, middle son, he's uh, just turned seven. And he wanted to get some, I think it was a video game that all his friends had and he wanted to do. We don't have video games. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. And, and, but we do have some uh, iPad games. And so we allow him to do a couple things. And, and this one in particular that he really wanted, we just didn't feel comfortable with. And so he's whining and complaining. And then my oldest, Sienna, she steps in and she goes, Ezra, don't you know that we live differently? And I was like, that's okay. I said, extra allowance this week for you. You go, girl. 
And, uh, and so it's just become a common thing. We talk about all the time. Now, here is my concern, is I don't want them to think, okay, well, yeah, because we follow Jesus, we don't get to do all the fun stuff that our friends do, you know? And so we started to kind of change the conversation a little bit and say, well, here's the, let's talk about like the good things that we have, the benefits, the things that we do get to have and do because we follow Jesus. And so we talk about our family, we talk about our faith, and we talk about the community here. Like my kids are enrooted right now and they're fired up about it. They've been looking forward to it. And so we just talk about, here's why our life is different and all the ways that it's, it's better in, in some ways. And so um, we've just kind of gotten used to this idea that I'm going to have to live differently. And so it's just going to be an ongoing conversation that we're going to have to have. And so here's the question that I want to talk about. And we're going to start a new series, starts today. And we're going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. But the question is, how do we, as Christians, live faithfully in a culture that doesn't believe or live like we do? Like, what does it mean to live differently in our day? And so we're going to wrestle with in the coming weeks what that looks like and kind of the uniqueness. And, and we're going to get to some really concrete examples of different arenas of our life. Of Okay, here's what it looks like to live differently in this area. But today what I want to do is I'm going to give you like the beginning of the series. Okay, so this is like the preface. I'm setting up the, what we're going to be talking about for the coming weeks. And so uh, I'm going to give you like more of a 30,000 foot level view. And we're going to talk about maybe just some, some different ways that Christians can live faithfully within our world. So the first place to start, I think, is, of course, with Jesus and in the scriptures. And, and one of the places that we would probably look first is this moment in which Jesus is praying for his disciples. He knows that his time is about to come to an end, that he's about to be arrested, put on trial, and eventually crucified. And so he begins praying for his disciples out loud. And he says, okay, Lord, this is what, or he says, God, this is what I, I, I want for them. Not just for them, but for any followers that come after them. And so he begins this prayer, and here's what it says in John 17. I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now, maybe you don't recognize this, uh, this verse uh, on the surface, but you probably have heard the popular summary of it, which sounds something like we are to live in the world, but not of the world. And so this is, a, this is a slogan that I think people have lived by for a long time, is to be a Christian means to live in the world, but not of the world. And the world being the values that the culture has around us, the lifestyle, the beliefs, the common narrative that people live by who are not believers. That's what the world is. Now, here's where the, the problem is, is, okay, well, what does that exactly mean to live in the world, but not of the world? And people have taken this idea and they've applied it in vastly different ways, and so I'm going to lay out generally four different ways that people have tried to live faithfully as believers in the world. So here's the first way. First way is that they have simply decided to retreat. They look at the world, they say, it is an absolute disaster out there. And so what we need to do is we need to get away from the world and we need to create either our own subculture, our own communities in which we can continue to stay pure and we can continue to stay away from the sin of the world. And so we've, uh, we've seen this in, in primarily the Old Testament. This is kind of the story of the Old Testament in the nation of Israel is God took these people and he brought them out of the world and he created a nation. And he says, now this nation, Israel, is going to be set apart from the rest of the world. They're going to have different values and beliefs. And what they're going to do is they're going to reflect who I am to the rest of the world by being set apart. And so that's like the whole story of the Old Testament. Now, we see this continue on. So there's this passage in Revelation 18 
It talks about the end times, and, and if you've ever tried to read Revelation, you know it's notoriously difficult to understand because there's so much uh, metaphor that's happening. And John talks about fleeing the city of Babylon, and here's what he says. He says, come out of her, my people, so that you may not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. And so some people could hear this and go, okay, you know what? I think we're in the end times. I think this is it. And so we need to get out of here. This place is going to burn like Sodom and Gomorrah, and I don't want to deal with it. So we're out of here. And so you have figures that emerged. Um, you think of people like uh, St. Benedict. And he was the first uh, monk in the West in which he said, I can't stay living in culture any longer, living in the world, because if I do, I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose my faith. And so he pulls himself out and creates a monastery where he can live. I actually have a, or Amy has a family member who did this. Is she said, and she, they lived in LA, a family lived in LA, just right there in the middle of LA. And eventually she just said, we can't do this anymore. This is a mess. People are a mess. They're going to mess up our family. We're getting out of here. So they went from LA to off the grid homestead. Pretty drastic where they make their own food, clothes, they homeschool, the whole deal, off the grid. And they just said, you know what? It is, things are so corrupted out there that we just, we got to get away from them. Now, you may hear this and think, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not going to be a homesteader. I'm not going to be Amish. None of those things are interesting to me. But here is, I think, where we might lean. Is we say, okay, I'm not going to totally pull out of the world, but maybe I can have a version of this. And so my dad kind of grew up with this a little bit, is, uh, and he shared this before, is they had this thing called the Back to Holiness Movement. And they said, you know what, what we're going to do is we're just going to reject most of popular culture. So we're not going to have a TV in the house. Uh, we're not going to ever go to movies. We're not going to ever swim in swimming pools in which are co-ed. We're going to completely reject everything that the world offers us. And I think as he and, and that generation, the people who experienced that, they grew up and they went, well, that's kind of legalistic. That seems a little bit extreme and maybe a little bit silly to you and I. But I have to be honest, and, and this is surprising. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have never thought that I would say this. That's starting to look tempting again. Like as a parent, I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, maybe that's not a bad idea. Like, okay, I grew up at the beach. I, I was raised in Seal Beach. I was at the beach every day of the summer. I haven't been to the beach in quite a while. But now that my kids are old enough to go to the beach, we started going this summer. It's different at the beach now. <laughs> I don't know if during this whole pandemic, you know, we have a lot of shortage of different things. And I don't know if, <laughs> if, if swimsuit material was one of those things. There seems to be a lot less of it these days. And I remember growing up, there wasn't a whole lot to begin with. There's even less now. Or if sizes have changed and people didn't get the memo, like, hey, you got to go up three sizes. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, is different. And so as I look at that and I think about my, my kids becoming teenagers, I go, can I, can I let them be in these situations? I, oh, I don't know what to do. And I think about the technology. I didn't have any of this technology growing up. And, and do I allow them to have phones? Can we even not do that? Like, is that legal? I don't know. Like, am I, do we have to have phones? And can they have access to the internet? I, there's just so many things that I'm just, I'm wrestling with. I don't know what to do. And in this last year, uh, it was more than once that Amy and I, as the, 
as the lockdowns are happening, and it seems to be spinning out of control, we went on Zillow and went, hey, look, I bet you it's not locked down here, you know, <laughs> middle of nowhere. There ain't nothing to lock down. Let's go, <laughs> you know, because I'm tempted. I'm tempted to go. And, and I think there are times, I think there are reasons and seasons in which we should retreat and which is probably beneficial for us or, or for our families. But there's a couple problems with this if this becomes our ultimate solution. One is really what we're doing is we're creating these man-made barriers and we have the illusion of safety from sin. I'm going to keep sin out there. I got bad news for you. Sin is going to be wherever you're at because sin is within you. You ever seen the show Breaking Amish? They tried really hard to keep sin out there, but guess what? Eventually sin finds you or it's in you. And so you got to deal with it. And so by hiding, by retreating and thinking ultimately that's what's going to solve the issue, it's probably not going to get you there. The other issue is, is you and I were not called as believers to enter into heaven well-rested and refreshed. Like, he, like when you become a Christian, God didn't go, okay, now here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and hunker down, keep yourself safe, don't let any of those bad people in, okay? No. It says that you and I were supposed to spiritually enter into heaven as broken and beaten and bloody people because we've been out there fighting for the kingdom. Meaning, we've been out there telling, loving on people who are going to hurt us. And we've been out there sharing our faith with people who are going to reject us. And, and so we're out in the world bringing the message of Jesus to the world, but also not living as people who live in the world. So the next thing is that we resist. We fight. Jesus calls us to be salt and light. And so we just, uh, we decide we're going we're gonna to go the other way. So if there's a spectrum, you've got, you've got the whole retreat on one side and you've got the resist on the other side. We're going to fight. We're going to fight for our faith. We're going to fight to preserve our values. We're going to fight to preserve our country. We're going to resist the darkness. And uh, the way that this usually results is through culture wars and political activism. Is what we'll try to do is we'll try to put people in positions of power that will reflect our, our ideology and beliefs. And so we're going we're gonna to go out there and we're going to protest. We're going to be activists for this lifestyle, for this policy. And so we end up entering into these culture wars. And again, there are some really good examples of how this has worked throughout Christian history. I think of people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Nazi Germany. He stood up and said, I have to fight for human rights. I'm a believer in Jesus. And so I must resist this darkness. In our own country, MLK, you think about him, he steps up and he says, you know what? All humans are equally valuable in God's sight. And so I'm not going to sit by, I'm not going to retreat, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to resist the darkness. I think it's, um, it's admirable to do this, but the problem is, like all these views, is there's a great uh, benefit to it, but when it's taken to is extreme, or when it starts to get a little bit out of control, we can easily see ourselves as fighting people instead of sin. The enemy is not this ideology or this philosophy or this. The, the, the enemy is them, those people. You know those people. It's the people that disagree with you. They're the enemy. They're the real problem. They're the reason why this thing is going to hell in a handbasket. It's those people. And then we start trying to, uh, we start to try to win arguments instead of winning people. 2 Corinthians 10.5 uh, says this, We demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. See, Paul says we should go out there, and we should try to defeat arguments and pretensions, but that is not to defeat 
people. People are the point. The whole reason why we try to defeat these arguments and ideologies is so that we can clear a way for people to come to God, not create more barriers for people to come to God. And so I think one of the things that we have to ask, and, and just as an example of how I think this plays out, um, let me ask you two questions. Um, how many people have you heard that have come to Christ because of a Christian stating their political or personal opinion? Like this. You go on Instagram, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, whatever, and, um, and somebody just, just jumps on a hot topic online. Here's what I think about this new law, blah, 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 and they just, just rail. How many times have you heard somebody go, I read your post, I never saw it that way. In fact, it was so convincing that now I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. My life is his. How many times have you heard that? Zero times so far. Zero times. Now, how many times have you heard people get totally turned off or reject the Christian faith because of somebody stating their opinion online? Countless. Countless people. And again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have opinions. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, go out there and, and try to make the world a better. I'm not saying any of those things. I think that we should. And, and in fact, I think it's probably a responsibility of Christians to engage politically in order to be a salt and light. The problem is, is when our goal becomes winning arguments instead of winning people. And if we're more concerned about winning for our policies and our perspectives than it is about witnessing to the world. So here's the danger. If you're not careful, people will see your political, uh, your political or social opinions as synonymous with your faith. And they will end up rejecting Jesus, not because of his claims, but because of yours. Ugh. So people uh, have given me some heat this last year. Is they say, uh, Cody, you know, why didn't you speak about, and they insert your favorite issue of the week. It changes every week, by the way. Every week, somebody, why didn't you talk about this? Don't you know that this is a real big issue in the world? And I go, is it a biblical issue? Well, no, but it's a political and social issue. I go, oh, well, then I don't really have a whole lot to say. I mean, I got my own opinions, but here's what I, ha here's what I try to explain is um, I have a certain amount of moral capital. So like when I get up here and speak, I get to speak on certain things and I get to try to, try to influence you in a certain direction, right? Why would I want to use my moral capital on Cody's opinions and beliefs about political and social issues? Like the Bible and Jesus are offensive enough I don't need to add Cody on top of it. And so I just go, look, I'm staying out of it because that's not what I'm going to spend my moral capital on. I have 30 minutes to get up here. Sometimes it turns to 35. We'll see how it goes today. Uh, to tell you about Jesus. Do I really want to get up here and talk about masks and vaccines? Ooh. I just said it and you guys are like, what's he going to say? <laughs> Nothing. I'm not going to say anything. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, it, yes, uh, just to clarify, put a, a final point on this is, should we resist the darkness, try to preserve what is good and just and right in our society? Of course. But should we be very careful how we do it to remember that we're here to win people, not arguments? Also, yes. Okay, next one is this. Is, um, we try to just be relevant to culture. If I want to influence culture and the world around me, I must be relevant to it. 
So uh, Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 9.22, he says, I have become all things to all people so that uh, by all possible means I might save some. What he's saying here is, look, I've got to take the message of the gospel and I've got to deliver this message so that people can understand it. I've got to contextualize it. And so although the message may never, will never change, the gospel is what it is, the method of delivery can and probably should and so I think the church in the last 40 years has really worked at this, as we've tried to make the church a place that relates. Wherever you're at in your faith journey, you can come in, and we're talking about issues that you're thinking about and you're dealing with. It doesn't feel like an old, stuffy, smelly church, and your kids are going to have a great time. And I think we've, we've tried to pursue those things. And those are good things. And those are things, I think, that, that help clear the way for people to understand the gospel. And I think beyond that, um, this view understands that God is at work in the world. There's this theological thing, it's called common grace, meaning God works through humanity to bring about its flourishing, whether you believe in him or not. And so culture, there are great things about culture. Even if the culture rejects God, there's still going to be good things because God is still going to be active in that culture. So for example, think modern medicine. I love modern medicine. It's one of my favorite things about living today. It's modern medicine. Now, was it only Christians who contributed to the rise of modern medicine? Well, of course not. It was all different kinds of people. It's because God is working through humanity. And so I think this, this view understands that there is this common grace in the world, and that is good. Here's the problem. When it moves from being a methodology, I need to help them understand the gospel, to being a theology, i got to change the message. I should change the method of delivery. I should never change the message itself. And so what ends up happening is in, an, in our desire to be relevant within our own world. And, 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 and look, here's the deal is everybody wants to be relevant. Like they want to be cool. They want to be in. I don't care how old you are. It's just your first thing that comes to my mind. Maybe you remember this movie. It's called Mean Girls. And in Mean Girls, the mom comes to all of her daughter's friends and her and says, I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> I say that to Amy at least once a week. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> like I should put a new outfit and I go, oh, you're not a regular mom you're a cool mom, <laughs> you know, and she's like, you're a regular dad, and I'm like, you're right, I am, uh, it's okay, and so here's the, here's the problem, is in our desire to, to, to kind of be relevant to culture, to be in the world, oftentimes what we end up doing is we end up reflecting the world, we become just like them, and it's so easy to do, all you have to do is just exist in the world and it will teach you how to be and how to think and how to live. Turn on Netflix and just consume, 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 and you're just gonna be like everybody else. And so what we have to do is we have to be careful because the danger is for us to see when Christ and culture comes into conflict, something has to give. And unfortunately, when we choose culture, that means that Christ is going to have to either try to fit in with the modern culture, and when we do that, we try to have, we kind of end up having to try to squeeze him in there. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, where that conflict was, where Jesus said this, but culture really thinks this, it's because you don't understand. It was a different time. It was a different context, and we try to explain away Jesus to the culture, and what usually ends up happening is we bend our faith so much, it ends up breaking, and so yes, we have to we have to be relevant to the world around us. They have to see what an incredible contribution Christ has made to the world and can make to their life. And yet, we have to be faithful to the message. And then finally, this one is renew. 
main idea here is that we want to be that salt and that light, but it's not just simply enough to preserve the culture, to fight against the darkness, that we have to add something to it, that we have to make the world a better place. All those other views, they're about reacting to the world, but this one is about contributing to the world. And so we see this throughout, human, uh, throughout Christian histories. We see the creation of charities and, and hospitals and schools and orphanages. Is, is Christians have made the world exponentially better because we are here. And so practically this looks like, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to find these different spaces in the world in which we can plug in. So whether it's a career or it's a school or it's a social group or it's whatever, we're going we're gonna to go into those places and we're going to renew the world. We're not going to try to create our own subculture. We're not going to run away. We're going to go into these places and we're going to make them better. I think this is why my parents sent me to public school my entire life is they said, you know, Cody, if, if you're not there telling people about Jesus, who's going to do it? Now, here's the problem. Again, remember, there's good and bad to each of these. The problem is, is that so many of us went into these places or we've seen people go into these places and instead of them being a salt and a light, they end up losing their saltiness. They, their light starts to dim quite a bit. Going into high school, there was a ton of me and my friends, and we're all Christians, and we're all in the youth group together, and guess what? I'm the only one who made it out still believing, and just barely. Or, or we see people go into these different industries, into these different workplaces, and, and they're going to be a light. They're going to end up changing and influencing the people around them, but what ends up happening is they're more influenced than an influencer. And so the sad result is that we have seen too many people who have either lost their faith or they have failed to preserve it and pass it on to the next generation. And so should we go out and renew the world? Yes, of course, that's what we're here to do. And yet, at the same time, we have to be careful that as we influence, we're not influenced by them. So let me end with this. Is you might be thinking, okay, Cody, I came in here and, and I had a certain view of how I should interact with the world around me. And now that I'm leaving, I am more confused than when I came in. Like, before I came in, it was kind of black and white for me. Like, here's how I live in the world. And now you're walking out going, well, I'm not so sure anymore. This, this is all very confusing. And my response, just my cynical self would say, well, grow up. <laughs> you know, like, quit being so naive. Yeah, life's complicated. It's going to be hard. Okay, we're going to figure this out together. Uh, but my pastoral response is, it's going to be okay. Because that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to figure out, you know, through the, the scriptures and through wisdom and practical application in the coming weeks, how do we navigate through this world and not only continue to be faithful to Christ, but represent him well to the rest of the, to our, to our culture. And so let me just end with this. I said that four times last night. I started at, they started laughing at me last night, and I said, fine, we're never ending. We're just going. We're going to forever. Okay. Uh, Larry Hurtado has a book called Destroyer of the Gods, and in it, he writes about how Christianity not only survived the first few centuries, but it ended up thriving and eventually becoming um, a, a dominant worldview in a culture that was very much hostile to it. And he comes up with these five distinctive beliefs and lifestyles, and, and we'll talk about those things. But here's what he said. There was one thing that was the foundation for all of it. And he said, it was that they had a newfound identity. Is that they no longer identified themselves by the cultural narratives that they were living by. So, for example, you were born into this family with this kind of job in this uh, location. And all of those things made up your identity, including your religious identity. Because each city and each, uh, um, each ethnicity, they all had their own gods that they would worship. It was inherited. 
and you could worship as many as you wanted to. But as people started to walk away from that pagan religion and that, that identity, and they started to follow Christ, not only did they reject all of those gods that they previously worshiped, but their identity changed. And they saw themselves first and foremost, not as Jew or Gentile, man, woman, poor, rich, slave, free. No, they saw themselves primarily as a person who follows Jesus. And when that happened, and their identity, their core identity changed, it enabled them to live differently than the world around them. They were now free to be people who didn't have to live by the cultural narrative that they inherited, but now could live by the one that they've gotten from Christ. And here's what this looked like. Is when we begin to live from our core identity as being Christ followers, because everybody is living from a core identity, a place. You may not even know what your core identity is, but the way that you respond to situations is going to tell you. So you turn on the TV, and somebody has a political opinion that you just reject, you just think is crazy. And so your response is one of three things. You're either going to go and you're going to fight, although no one's asking you, and there's nobody to fight with, but you're going to yell at somebody. You're going to flee. You're like, I'm out of here, man. These people are crazy. I'm done with this state. I'm done with these people. I'm out of here. Or you're just going to fold. Like, ah, forget it. There's nothing I can do. I give up. All of those responses are a response because your central identity is in your political beliefs, your ideology. And they're all a reaction to something that you were afraid of. They're all a reaction to fear. But what happened in the early church, and has been happening ever since, is when these people had an identity that was not threatened by anything in this world, like you can kill me, you can take away everything I have, but I have an identity that is going to last for eternity. And we've talked about this before, it's an identity that is received, not achieved. Who I am is not based on what I do or where I was born or who I know, but simply because Jesus died for me. And because of that, I have accepted this gift of salvation. And when I accepted this gift, I have now received a new identity as one of his children. And you can't take that away from me. So I'm no longer afraid. I don't have to respond out of fear anymore. And so it enabled them to face some really difficult circumstances and not just survive, but really thrive. And it enabled them to respond out of, instead of fear, love. And so that, that, that's kind of like where I want to end today. And we'll, we'll go back to the very beginning uh, illustration just to, just to summarize this. The Aztecs. <laughs> the Aztecs. Oh, my goodness. Peyote. No, no, not that part. Um, the Aztec prayer. Your kid comes home, you hear about all this kind of stuff, how are you going to respond? Your initial response might be, fire away. This is about to get ugly. But if we just stop for a moment and we say, well, hold on. As a Christian, my identity is secure. I don't have to be afraid. And so I need to ask the question, am I responding out of fear or out of love in this moment? And it's not just love for my kid. It's love for all the other kids in class. It's love for that teacher and for that staff. How is it that I can respond in love to this situation instead of out of fear? Because if it's in fear, it's probably because I found my identity in something besides Christ. And so uh, I have this bracelet, and maybe you have it too, and we have tons of them out there. It's the Jesus Changes Everything bracelets. And, and it's a really good reminder. It's a good reminder in moments in which we just, you know, maybe you're feeling beat up. or feeling... I think it's also a good reminder, and maybe you throw one of these on, is is the next time you're tempted to respond in one of those ways, to flee or to fight or to fold, or you look down and you go, oh, okay, that's right. 
I need to ask the question, am I responding in fear or in love? And I think if we just pause for a moment, we ask that simple question, it's going to change the way that we see not only the world around us, but the way that we interact with one another. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for, uh, thank you for a place where we can come and we can wrestle with some of the, the issues of our day, Lord God. The answer is always going to be the same, that you change everything, and that you, uh, you're not allowing anything to happen that you don't already know, that, you already, that you're not going to take care of. Um, the real issue is, how are we going to respond and so, Lord God, um, a lot of us, we want to respond out of fear. We just, we hear things, we see things, we, the, the, things are changing around us, and it just makes us afraid, it makes us angry, and yet, you're in control. And so, Lord God, we want to find our identity in you, just knowing that we are secure, that we have nothing to fear, no matter how the world may change, that you have got us. And so, Lord God, I just pray that we would be people who go into the world and instead of reacting out of fear, we can respond in love. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's the name we pray. Amen. All right. Will you guys stand with me? <clears throat> thank you guys for being here this weekend. Don't forget, there's tri-tip sandwiches. There's tons of stuff for your kids to do out there. Uh, lots of fun things. So make sure you stop by. Other than that, have a great week. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.